Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Squanderlust, the podcast about the emotional side of money why our actions aren't always as good as our intentions, and what we can do about it. I'm your host, Martha Lawton, and today I'm talking to clinical psychologist Dr. Jane Major about money secrets in intimate relationships. We are remote recording today, so apologies for any bits and pieces of background noise. Um, We're doing our best, but this is the lockdown life we're all living right now. Before we get going, I have a little request. Squanderlust has come a long way since we launched the show, but we'd love to reach more people, and we need your help for that. Please share this episode on social media and help us to start a more open conversation about the emotional side of money. Okay, let's go. Jane, welcome. Thank you. Um, Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. So thank you for having me on. I'm an experienced clinical psychologist and relationship therapist. I work with individuals, couples and families who generally tend to be affected by emotional trauma and relationship issues, and I've been doing this since 2002. I'm the founder and director of the Room Between Therapy Service that helps people improve the quality of their relationships with themselves, their experiences and others. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm really excited for today's topic. Um, I think this is something that so many people uh, struggle with or or have experience of in one way or another. Um, and I guess, you know, when we were setting this up, you also said that money secrets aren't always bad. So we're going to talk a little bit about the types of money secrets people have and also when they're when they're a good thing, when they're not so good thing, and the impact that money secrets have on people's relationships. So um, let's get started with that, that first point. Tell us about some of the types of money secrets that people tend to keep. So as you mentioned, there can be lots of different types, and then they're not always a bad thing. But it, So it can include underplaying the costs that we've paid for things, hiding my items that we've bought from our significant other, might even include having a secret savings account or a credit card and also secret debt. Yeah, so there's lots of, of ways, aren't there, that, that people might be kind of hiding things about their finances from the people around them. I know that uh, we've just been through Talk Money Week 
um, as of the time of recording. So maybe not when we actually release this, but um, the Money and Pension Service actually brought out a report which you drew my attention to. And they said that it's actually really, really common with people keeping a, a lot of different um, money secrets from the people around them. Was there anything that kind of caught your eye when you were looking at that report? I guess it's a lot around kind of the secrecy um, and the kind of the judgment that people are fearing. And that's often why they're keeping it to themselves. So it's often that the spending and the secrecy might be the symptom, but frequently it's emotions that lie underneath and the meaning that someone's giving them that can then be the problem to them, such as shame and feeling flooded by it. Mm, interesting. So let's get on to that, that the why then. So tell me a bit more about um, some of the reasons why people keep money secrets. So within this context, it can be important for us to remember that we all have ways of coping and they'll be different for each of us. And the ways we've developed them at one point would have helped us to survive. They only become problematic when they impact our quality of life and start going against our values. So we might have money secrets because of that fear of disapproval and shame. We might want control that we don't feel we have in other parts of our life. We might keep it a secret because of the fear of judgment. And we might mistrust our partner's spending habits and fear Mm. their judgment. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Is there anything else? We might also fear financial vulnerability. We may have had experiences either in the present or the past where we may have learned that we need to hold some money back. So we might keep some money a secret because of a fear of financial vulnerability. Hmm. Well, that's really interesting. So past experiences can have a really long lasting effect on on how somebody handles money in the the present um, and what has gone on for them with regard to that. Absolutely. We we learn how to manage our emotions. So from the moment that we're bored and interacting in the world, we're getting messages about how worthy of love and care we are and how to soothe our emotions and other people's. So sometimes using money can Mm. soothe us or take the edge off our emotions. Yeah. 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 Tell me a bit about, tell me a bit more about that. About taking the edge off our emotions. Yeah. 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 So we can imagine if we feel triggered in any way, it could be a bad day at work, an argument with a partner, Our brain can automatically compare ourselves to other people in our social group, particularly through social media. So our core beliefs around our lovability or our value could get triggered. And sometimes if emotions are too painful to connect with, we can want to, even not even consciously, we can just disconnect from them and go into action. So it might be putting something in our basket online and buying it, tapping something with our contactless card, just taking the edge off. So having an action that can soothe our emotions perhaps temporarily but longer term can be shame inducing or build up problems for us like in terms of debt for example so so what you're saying is is that if an emotion is too kind of overwhelming to feel or we don't we just kind of don't want to go near it we kind of redirect our attention or um our feelings by buying something or um basically putting our our feelings or our attention on something else to kind of numb us 
That's exactly it. And we all may, we're talking about money particularly here, but we all may have different ways of coping with feelings that are just too painful. Common ways might be eating, for example. Mm. But money and buying things can can certainly for many people be a way that takes the edge off but then there can be shame associated with that about mm. for example debt or is what I'm does what I'm buying fit with our values as a couple that's that's really interesting um let's talk a bit more about some of the other reasons why this these feelings can arise you you mentioned earlier a bit about family background um and um past experiences as well so um, talk to me a bit about that. What influence does family background have on whether somebody keeps secrets around money? I guess when we grow up, there's several things there, isn't there? There's how we learn about how emotions are managed and soothed and talked about or not, and how we cope with them, but also how money is talked about and used and what it represents, and if it can be talked about openly or if there's judgment about money and how it's used. And all of those factors can then impact how we understand money. Is it okay for me to buy this or cope with my emotions in this way? Can I talk to my partner openly about this? But particularly if we've grown up in, in poverty or felt shame about our family background and how money was understood or not, it can then affect our behaviours in the present. So if you've grown up, for example, and your parents separate or see money being used as a form of control by one parent, it may leave you feeling somewhat vulnerable in the present. So you may have different ways of coping with money, like either holding on to it or perhaps not feeling safe enough to share money with a partner in the present. Mm. So what you're saying is there are kind of two routes to money secrecy, um, in a in a detrimental sense of money secrecy and, and one of those is um kind of baggage around money specifically and the other one is baggage around how do we cope with emotions and how do we manage difficult uh emotional moments yeah yeah um thinking about because we, we've just kind of touched on that mismanaging or, or struggling to manage emotions but um Let's talk a bit more about that kind of family background of uh, money as a as a topic being difficult. So you've mentioned money when a parent see money being used as kind of a form of control or um, mm. parents parents modeling kind of money as a power struggle. Um, like how would that manifest? What does that actually look like? Give us some specifics. Well, for example, any kind of experience of powerlessness, if we imagine it like a flow chart and at the top of the page is the word powerlessness, so it can be feeling powerless in relation to a life event. Often when we have big life events, unfortunately, in tandem with that, we can have money problems, such as a, a death or an illness or losing a job. So if we imagine powerlessness and then after that comes the feeling of hypervigilance, so our brain can be looking out for threat, it's trying to keep us safe. So we can go into fight, flight, freeze, flop and flop in friend mode. We can become hyper anxious and then swing between two emotional feelings of being controlling or feeling out of control. So you might mm. witness a parent trying to take control back by saving money or spending it and not wanting to think and feel. So they may oscillate between being controlling and then feeling out of control and having a model to us, a middle ground where emotions can be thought about and regulated because how we regulate our emotions also impacts how we regulate our actions. How able are we to be, to feel and to think, to make space for our feelings 
so that our actions are a response rather than an impulsive reaction. Right. So if if what a parent is is modelling is powerlessness and is this kind of uh, fight, flight, freeze, flop, friend? Did I get yeah. that right? Yeah. That's hey! exactly it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if if what they're saying is is not a healthy response to that and is that kind of powerless response um then a child will pick up ways of of responding themselves to to struggle or powerlessness or, or fear of powerlessness that's that's similar that's also um about treating money as a as a form of control yeah and, right? and a, well, i guess it's what the child may be seeing could be anger could be right. impulsiveness, could be a lack of money, could be arguments. What they right. may not be seeing is the emotion that lies underneath for the parent. Mm. But what they may be learning is the external behaviour and what is or isn't talked about and how they're soothed or not. And that's why sometimes transgenerational patterns can occur of, one, how we manage emotions, but also behaviours that may be familiar between family members across generations, such as how we use money. Right. And how able we are to talk about it. Mm. So what kind of money behaviors specifically might you like might you see um that might be kind of unhealthy controlling money behaviors in this kind of situation? Well, if we think about it in terms of family scripts, sometimes depending what's happened to us, we can um replicate, so we might do the same as we've seen, we might mm-hmm. correct or we might, if we have a secure enough relationship, we might come up with a novel solution. So if we replicate, if we do the same, if we saw a parent soothing themselves by buying us nice things and themselves nice things, if we replicate, mm. we might do the same. That's okay if you have the resources and perhaps it's openly talked about, but if you don't have the resources and it can cause debt, that can be quite difficult, can't it? It can be a problem. And if that also doesn't fit with the values of your couple relationship now or your current family, it can be a problem. Corrective scripts sometimes can go too far. That can be where you don't want to do the same as your parents. You're trying to be consciously aware of how they coped. But again, you may go too far. So if your parents spent lots of money to cope, you might go the extreme other way and hold on to money. Mm. So that might affect you in your current relationship because that might not quite fit with the values of perhaps if you want to get a home together or to enjoy a holiday, that might actually feel quite difficult because the fear might be there of what if we end up having none? because it can go back to that early family script and the third one which is kind of a novel way of solving problems or relating to money now can be if you're in a secure relationship now where you can talk about how did our parents manage emotions how did they Mm. both how did our parents use money how do we what do we want to take from them that was helpful but what might we also want to do differently so that's that's a really interesting model for how people can respond um, are there any other ways in which um, these feelings arise other than kind of uh, family background specifically or kind of repeating what we know? Are there any other um, other types of ways in which these feelings can arise of the need to keep money secrets? Yeah, there can be beliefs about kind of I should be better with money than I am. And feeling kind of shame that why am I good in other parts of my life? Like, I'm good at work. I have a good job. I successfully manage a team. I'm a good parent. I'm a good friend. Finding that there's one area of our lives that we not, aren't able to, to cope with or finding that we can't regulate or manage as well as we like, that can feel quite threatening to our identity. 
Mm. So, so a person who feels like uh, this is my one shameful flaw, effectively, might be trying to hide how that is going um, in order to keep up a kind of uh, an image of themselves as being coherently successful throughout everything. Have I got that? Yeah, we want we want to feel capable, whether we want mm. it or not. Our minds can compare us to others. Do I fit in? Am I doing as well as my friends? And then if we know there's one area that we might be struggling with, like our finances, asking for help can feel really difficult, particularly if we've managed a, an appearance of I'm really competent, things are going well, reaching out for help and knowing where to go to might feel quite tough and quite shame-inducing. Like we could feel quite flooded with emotions. Mm. which can be quite common that and then the secrecy can feel even harder to talk about it but I don't know about you but if I don't want to talk about something or think about something I often think about it even more oh yeah so if you definitely. have a money secret it could be on your mind all of the time yeah I think that's a really important point is that um these feelings you know that that contribute to secrets like secrets are a thing that live in your head um, and they sort of, they take up a lot of mental space because you're constantly having to kind of work around them. And we talk about the elephant in the room for a reason, right? That, 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 um, that cliche is, is evocative for a reason because that is how it feels to have something that sort of you constantly maneuvering around in your, in your life. Um, I think that's a, a really important point. So we'll... Uh, take a little break, but we're going to have a conversation afterwards about some of the impact of money secrets on relationships and um, what we can do to make sure that we are having conversations that are healthy about money in our intimate relationships in the future. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back. I am talking to Dr. Jane Major about money secrets in relationships. 
So uh, let's have a think about some of the effects that this can have, because money secrets can have quite a big impact on relationships. Um, so, so tell me a bit about what that impact can be. So for the partner who doesn't know what's going on, there can be, like you mentioned earlier, there can be an elephant in the room. There can be a feeling of distance. And what most of us can do is our mind can fill in the blanks. We can see Mm. that someone might be not talking to us as openly, seeming a bit more in their head or seeming a bit more anxious or on edge. And our mind fills in the blanks. Are they having an affair? Mm. And that's a common one that I've experienced with clients, wondering if their partner's having an affair, only for later to something to come out like money secrets, which can still be big, but the fear of living with thinking that your partner's having an affair can be quite huge. Mm. And, and there can be feelings of lots of sadness. What's going on? Why do things feel different? And mm. feeling really quite confused and fearful. Yeah, the, when, there is, when there is something up and you don't know what that something is, it's a really terrifying feeling. I know, I mean, my, my current relationship is... is pretty great but um I had a very unhealthy relationship um prior to this one and part of the way in which it was unhealthy was there would be periods of time in which uh my ex would just kind of shut down and not talk to me Mm. and I could see there was something the matter and it was really impossible to work out what that was and sometimes it was something to do with me and sometimes it was something to do with him and sometimes it was something external but I always felt like it was on me to do the work to find out what the matter was and that feeling that there was some kind of responsibility on me to find out what was going on and the constant kind of worry that um yeah you know what was our relationship about to kind of completely blow up or fall apart um because of something that I didn't know Mm. it was so draining and and so it made me feel so insecure and it was so it was so worrying and and kind of this grinding down um it was it was really very very difficult so I think I can very much relate to that that feeling of being the person who doesn't know and and can sense something um yeah no it's it's that's really really tough really destructive and it's really powerful isn't it how as the partner that's not in the know you're picking up on you're kind of having projected into you the person who holds the secret their feeling of powerlessness it's being put into you and communicated to you so you felt it mm. yeah definitely. you picked up on it and almost felt like a sense of responsibility to find out yeah yeah no absolutely absolutely I mean that's partly to do with the dynamic in that specific relationship which was generally terrible in all sorts of ways but um, but yeah no absolutely I think I think people are not most of us are not kind of masters of disguise and secrecy you know um most of us are not incredible liars and uh and specifically particularly I think not in an ongoing basis with somebody who knows you really really intimately mm. so um the whole kind of living a double life and keeping lots of secrets thing that most people are not suited to that and so partners do pick up on there being an issue and there being something kind of underlying the dynamic of the relationship that's that's kind of changed or or feels wrong yeah you can can, it's common to hear couples say but why why don't you like me anymore you know I've had that in past relationships of thinking why has he gone off me 
what have mm. I done? And and it's hard to know, isn't it? We can't be mind readers. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's that's a really important point is that um, it can lead to that partner who who's having the secret kept from them trying to read the mind of the person keeping the secret, and and that's inevitably going to be. Um, really, really difficult because well, it's impossible to actually read their mind, but it, it's it's not a healthy dynamic where you're trying to read somebody's mind and trying to sort of guess what's really going on with them. So yeah, no, that's that's really really tricky. And what about the impact on the person who's keeping the secret? What um, what effect does it have on them? Well, it can be huge, can't it? Because often we can keep secrets either if it's it can be for control, but sometimes if we want, if it's going against the values of how we want to be in our relationship it can be quite shaming it can be flooding and can be confusing sometimes we can do things with our money and feel ashamed of it and not understand why so it can feel really hard to have the conversation if we want to where do I even start if I don't understand why I've done this myself Mm, yeah so that, that sort of leaves the person alone with the impact of their decisions or or even I mean because so I'm just this is going to be kind of a funny example um but I think it's it's relevant um do you remember the film The Full Monty yeah yeah so there's a massive money secret in the middle of that right the um the foreman character doesn't tell his wife that he's been made redundant and she only finds out when um when the bailiffs come around and start taking all their stuff um and I think you know he goes through a lot of kind of holding all of the emotions around the redundancy by himself separate from her um which I think you know maybe what's going on for people that's a very extreme example and it's extreme because it's a comedy and it you know they need that setup but um I think one of the things that happens when you're keeping a secret is you have to hold everything about that secret by yourself. And that can be hugely overwhelming and isolating because we we all need containing, don't we? We need someone to help us hold our emotions. And if you're holding something on your own, that can feel quite overwhelming. Yeah, and it's something that builds up over time, right? This This is a combination of the... Um, the initial, the kind of inciting incident, as it were, the, the the first moment of keeping the secret, and then the 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 secret itself becomes um, a part of the problem that then needs to be held. So it, it's sort of a double um, a double sided thing. Um, and then, so we've talked about the impact on either side, but we haven't talked about what happens if a secret is revealed, which I think that's, you know, that's really important to discuss. So so talk to me a bit about that moment. Well, it, that can be tricky, can't it? Because it's whether a secret's revealed consensually, like someone's chosen to tell the secret or they've been mm-hmm. found out. Right, yes, yes. And on both sides, that can feel very overwhelming and shaming. And there can be a sense for the person that's found out of betrayal. There can be many forms of betrayal in a relationship. Most commonly people think of affairs, but people can experience betrayal in relation to to money secrets because it can then trigger their own experiences of, can I trust you? Mm. How lovable and valuable am I if you kept this from me? And mm. sometimes it can be the person can want to take control back who feels betrayed because they then experience the powerlessness. So they might be hypervigilant for anything else that might be suggestive of betrayal and they might want to know... Why? 
Why did you do this? And if we can understand it, can we prevent it from happening again? Because if something feels like it happened randomly, there can be the fear that this could randomly happen again. But perhaps if we can talk openly and understand it, then we might both have some control over it, find another way of coping. That's really interesting because you you said earlier that people might not want to disclose some spending because they couldn't explain the spending. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're saying that when the when the secret comes out, if if it can be put into a kind of a story or a narrative or an explanation, it feels less random for the person who has who has found out or, or been told the secret. So um, it does make it easier for them to accept whatever that secretive behavior was. So in a way, that intuition to keep the secret is um, is right or accurate, even if it's not necessarily healthy. Yeah, we can have a fantasy that when I tell someone, I'm going to feel huge relief. Mm -hmm. And that may be the case, potentially, because you Mm -hmm. might feel relief, but the other person then might be holding the emotions that you've held on your own for so long. Mm -hmm. But equally, their sense of betrayal, they, you know, it it could be really difficult to face their reaction to what they may want to understand, where's this money gone on? And the fantasies they might have about where you've spent the money. Right, yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so much of this stuff is about the stories we tell ourselves as well as the reality of what's actually happened, right? Yeah. Yeah. And some people can want to, the person who may feel betrayed may want to know the ins and outs and the details of exactly what's happened, which might feel too flooding for the person who's been holding the secret. Sometimes one or both might need to have some therapy or some coaching to help them make sense of this to be able to have these conversations in a safe way because if I don't know about you but if you're both flooded in a relationship it just gets Mm. triggered you don't develop understanding you just shout and move away and then come back and can get flooded again right yeah I mean so the sorry you're using this term flooded which is it it kind of makes sense to me but it means like overwhelmed um, yeah, absolutely. To, flooded to... with strong feelings that we just can't manage, that we yes. might kind of just shut down. Some people mm-hmm. are going to shut down like freeze, or some of us can blow up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's essentially it's 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 too much, too too big emotions that we that we struggle to then uh, deal with in any kind of, or process in any kind of effective way. Absolutely. Interesting. Interesting. Um. So let's think about a little bit about what can actually what can actually help. And and I just want to pick up a little bit on um, something that we just said about um, money secrets that are told, money secrets that are consensual, sort of um, consensual or, or found out or, you know, how those conversations go. But there's also I think there's something that um, we want to say around money secrets before we go into this that we've mostly talked about money secrets in otherwise healthy relationships um and you know where where generally speaking the relationship is okay but money and money secrets are causing an issue but i think there is an important point about um times when it's actually really necessary and important to keep a money secret which is um you know if the relationship itself is the problem if the relationship is an abusive relationship um, and um, the money secret that is being kept is 
um, you know, a secret stash of cash somewhere to help somebody to get out of that relationship, um, then, you know, that is not a bad money secret to keep. So, yeah, I think we wanted to make that really clear. That's really, really important, isn't it? Not all relationships are healthy. Some we need to be supported to leave and support ourselves with the finances, for example. And And that's a really good example of not all secrets are bad. Yeah. And I think there's, I mean, so, so we don't want to go too much into this kind of, because we could, this is a whole separate topic, economic abuse and and unhealthy relationships and money as a whole separate topic um, for another day, potentially, but um, just wanted to really reiterate, although in an otherwise healthy relationship, you know, money secrets are often not great um, and something to think about managing, certainly. Um, But, you know, if, if somebody is controlling you and controlling your finances, you know, having a secret stash of cash as an escape fund is is a very good thing to do. It is not mm. a, it's not a negative money secret. So um, just really wanted to emphasize that. Okay, so let's go back to the kind of main topic and um, this idea of having having a healthy relationship and having um avoiding unwholesome money secrets that that are getting in the way of an otherwise healthy relationship what kind of stuff can we do to to avoid that I think it can be really helpful if we're feeling overwhelmed because we're holding a money secret to try and ground ourselves you know when we get overwhelmed by emotions and we we can just get flooded with emotions like we've talked about and then react again and soothe ourselves with the problem with the problem like spending Mm -hmm. so what can be helpful could be to try and ground ourselves in the present to not be in our heads or in our bodies because often we can feel anxiety and stress in our body to come out of our heads and bodies and try to ground ourselves in the present moment using Mm -hmm. our senses so what can i see hear smell taste and touch and try to connect ourselves to our values what actions are in line with my values both for me as an individual and in my couple relationship okay okay so um grounding yourself in the moment um how specifically does that help to take you away from an unhealthy behavior or an unhealthy uh train of thought it creates some space so if i'm really stressed and that the only thing that's going to make me feel better is to buy a really expensive pair of shoes or have a night out I can't afford, I might need to slow myself down. So not just staying in my head or with my body and acting, I need to come out of it. So by grounding myself in the here and now, and if we're really distressed, you know, holding things like ice in our hands or putting cold water on our face, it's just creating time and space to think, to make room for our feelings. So instead of just having a feeling and reacting, I have a feeling I'm distressed but what can I do about it that's in line with how I want to be, how I want to treat myself and look after my relationship? Mm. So it's almost like um, hitting a reset button for a second yeah. and, and stopping, pausing a sort of um, a runaway set of thoughts or feelings that can just lead you to kind of react without uh, kind of intention um, yeah. and, and just being more intentional by pausing for a moment and and um yeah just gives you a moment to reset right and acknowledging we have choices Mm. what are the choices available to me in this moment Mm. yeah that's always an interesting one isn't it right because um when you we need to have some empathy and, and kindness towards ourselves when we have just reacted but you also need to uh understand that 
we need to take responsibility and make choices in an intentional way when, whenever we possibly can. I think that's a really good, that's a really lovely way of putting it. It's the both and, isn't it? Both I can understand myself in the context of my history and I'm responsible for the actions I take now. So bringing in compassion and pausing and slowing down can be really important. Mm. Mm. What else can help? I think acknowledging the issue to ourselves is massive. I think that takes a lot of courage. I know that when I've had difficulties with my emotions and have certainly overspent and got into debt, Mm. stopping and realising the amount of trouble I was in financially was really important and thinking, I don't have to do this on my own. Mm. Because I think there is a myth, isn't there, in the Western world of independence? You're either independent or you're dependent and that independence is the goal, whereas actually no one's truly independent. We all need help. And that in our lives, we're all going to have events and feelings we can't manage on our own. And there shouldn't, but there can be, but there shouldn't be shame attached to seeking help. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I very much agree with that. Um, I think learning to, to ask for help has been one of the biggest things for me in my life. Um, not trying to deal with every single thing on my own um, has been very, very important. So I think, yeah, learning to, to ask for help, ask for Help from a debt advisor, help from a partner, help from, you know, a coach or a therapist if needs be. That that step of just saying, you know what, I don't have to deal with this by myself and I don't necessarily have the resources. And actually, it's a caring, positive thing to do to get help, not just for me, but actually for the people around me. Like if, if mm. you're keeping money secrets that could potentially be damaging to your relationship because you're not seeking help for yourself, then the impact of your attempt to be independent is not just on you, it's on other people around you. Um, And actually, you know, seeking help will be beneficial, not just for you, but for the other people around you. So it's actually the strong, responsible thing to do. Yeah, and if there's an idea that sometimes this is passed along through generations, how we manage with emotions, Mm -hmm. how we manage with money, there can be the nice idea that maybe this could stop with me. If I get help, maybe I can teach something different to my partner or my children. Yeah, that's that's really important. Um, yeah, I love that. I love that. Actually, um, that was one of my primary motivators the first time I went to therapy um, mm. because one of the things going on was, you know, I was, uh, yeah, my, I was having a difficult time with my parents <laughs> to some extent and, and not wanting to to pass on those feelings to potential future children. Um, was definitely a part of the motivator for me. And I I think it's a very motivating thing, actually, to say um, this stops with me, as you said, for definitely. Yeah. Um, So what about um, if somebody has discovered a a money secret and is feeling betrayed or you're you're going through that uh, experience of, of a money secret having been revealed within your relationship, whichever way round, what are some tips for handling that situation well? I think sometimes to boost our confidence in doing that, because we can be very fearful of of doing that, it can be thinking of times when with our partner we have successfully dealt with difficult issues together. I think kind of thinking about that and that that we can do this can be quite important Mm -hmm. to not think that this is, I can't do this, because there can be a lot of fear of how do I do this? And it could be helpful before that to maybe work with someone, maybe just for a one-off session to think about having a coherent explanation for yourself 
to develop right. some self-compassion to help you go in to have the conversation because partners may have the why question they might may want to understand why they're spending what does it mean what's the emotional connection and why the secrecy mm-hmm. so it can may be helpful with someone else to create a bit of space to understand that for yourself because self-understanding can be empowering that when right. we make mistakes, often when it's when we learn the most about ourselves, that's when we grow. We don't grow kind of when we don't take risks, when we don't learn. <laughs> and often we learn when things go wrong, don't we? That's when I've learned the most, when things have gone horribly wrong and, and I've had to I've learned a lot from it. Yeah. Yeah. And what about on the other side? So if if um a secret has just come out, whether or not we, you know, when nobody had planned for that to happen. Do you have any tips for helping to rebuild a relationship after, you know, we've mentioned that there can be a strong sense of betrayal after that. So what can help to to heal? I think it can be helpful to really listen. So mm. if you're the person whose secret's been found out, maybe to really listen as hard as it will understandably be to your partner's feelings, that they may be in shock, they may be angry. And although that can be hard to hear, to let them know that, that you want to understand, that you want to listen. That can yeah. be really important, but very tough to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about on the other side? So say you're the partner who has found out the money secret. Um, what are some tips on that side? It might be kind of not having to give all the answers at once. You may be finding out about the secret and your partner may want to know that they're forgiven straight away. Mm-hmm. And you may not feel able to give that immediately. You may feel that you have to have a feeling and react to it. But yeah. you might need to take some space and it could be kind of, I'm not leaving you, I'm just leaving this conversation right now, arranging times to talk about it when you mutually agree that it's a good time to talk about it, having time to either write down your thoughts so they're less overwhelming in your mind or finding someone yourself to talk to that you trust. It can be really tough when it, events like this come out in a relationship that it doesn't get then spilled into lots of people outside of the relationship, like lots of mm. friends knowing, because it can increase the shame and increase the d- distance between partners. Yeah. So agreeing who's safe to talk to and when do we mutually agree we can come back and talk about this because sometimes it can flood both partners, both partners can feel overwhelmed. So it might be kind of how do we take turns and who's going to talk and who's going to listen and how might you actively try to reflect back, this is what I've heard, this is what I think you're saying and this is how I'm feeling. But it can be really hard to do when you're triggered and feeling quite threatened, as, as you might be if you found out a secret. Yeah, I think there's also something in this about um, the response is going to be very different as the person doing the discovering, dependent on whether it's a one-off thing and this is the only secret they've been keeping or whether it's part of a broader pattern which is going to make you kind of reevaluate the relationship as a whole um, absolutely some people can find out and just be so relieved they could be really relieved that their fantasies for example that you've been having an affair haven't been happening you know sometimes people have shared debt to partners and their partners have wanted to come alongside them and collaborate with them and help Mm. them but often our mind can have fantasies of the worst happening they're going to leave me and then it makes it an even barrier to say it whereas perhaps if you think about when you've had difficult issues with your partner before how did they react then are there Mm. examples of when things have gone well when you've had to talk about difficult topics together yeah 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 so I think I mean yeah from the from the perspective of the person who's doing the discovering i think there is a like i said it's it's about you know is this part of a 
um is it a one-off and you know otherwise this is a really positive relationship that we want to keep or is this actually kind of part of a pattern of um either unhealthy coping um yeah or or even of kind of keeping secrets about things and that and there being betrayals of different kinds and and actually this is a time to draw a boundary so it's um Whichever way round it is, yeah, context is really, really important. Context is vital, isn't it? Of what does this mean? Is this a one-off? Is there meaning Mm. to this that we need to understand together and find other ways of coping? Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, let's talk about uh, avoiding money secrets in the first place because, like we're saying, they they can have a a big impact. So let's think about some of the ways in which we can um, try and avoid these. I'm I'm aware of time, by the way, so I am keeping an eye. Um, So, yeah. Really quickly, um, what are some ways we can avoid money secrets? Well, it can be really important with partners to think about what are our shared goals? What are our values? And that can be exciting, kind of, kind of, what do we want to save up for together? Do we want to get a home? Or how often do we want to have holidays? Do we want to have separate pots, for example, with £50 in each that you can do what you want with so you don't feel controlled? How do we talk about emotions in our relationship? How do we have ways of soothing our emotions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and um I think yeah there's something about you know if you can get into having that conversation about um how you manage money together and and maybe even some of the why some of the context of how you learned about money you know each individually and and whether that those ideas still serve you I think if you can have that conversation it can be really enlightening in your relationship um and and build that kind of trust which is really really important can be really helpful to have the conversations before it becomes a problem how do we learn about each other you know how do we learn about each other's values or how do we talk about our parents and how they spent money or how they soothed their emotions yeah for most of us these conversations often come up when we hit something when something Mm -hmm. goes a bit wrong that's when we learn but it can be really nice can't it to kind of consciously try and learn about each other and bring what we've experienced out in the open Definitely, definitely. And I think it's, you know, it's not a one off conversation. It's an ongoing conversation as as part of your relationship, really, isn't it? Yes, we're always learning about ourselves, aren't we? It's an ongoing dialogue of how do I react? Where might this come from? That we don't just consciously know these things, do we? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we have to dig a bit or come across something. Yeah, and, and actually, the more that you learn, the less that you're kind of telling a story like that, that isn't necessarily true, the more that you're reacting to reality rather than um you know some idea you have in your head of of what your role should be or or who you should be jane it's been fantastic talking with you this morning i have really enjoyed this it's been really fascinating um if our listeners want to hear more about you um where can they find you they can find me at theroombetween.com which is my website excellent excellent thank you so much um it's been a real joy and thank you for coming on the show thank you for having me i've really enjoyed it you've been listening to squanderlust the podcast about the emotional side of money with me martha lawton if you've enjoyed the show please follow us on apple Podcasts or spotify or wherever you get your podcasts we'd love one of those nice five-star reviews too or you can tell a friend about us maybe somewhere on social media where we're at squanderlust pod You can also find us at squanderlustpod.com where we put show notes, useful links and ways to support the show. 
Squandlust is sponsored by Wardour Studios in Fitzrovia, London, with production by David Smith, Alicia Cunningham, Charlie Brandon King and Tom Berry. Our theme music is by Wardour Studios and graphic design by Jason Reed. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.